0: Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Hey, well, good evening, River of Life. Hey, I just want to say we are so excited for Fly Takeover Weekend. I also wanna say, if this is your first time, please come back next weekend. It'll be completely different, I promise, I promise. Hey, well, Sierra and I could not be any more blessed with not only the team, but the students that we have. They did an awesome job. I'm sure you saw them as they were, yeah, please give them a round of applause. They did such an awesome job, and they will be back here in the morning doing it all over again. Um, but I also want to give a special um, shout-out to Janie for sharing her testimony. Um, we're actually, in youth group, going to start a testimony series. And so I'm going to have a bunch of leaders. I'm going to have a bunch of students who are sharing their testimony, and that's similar to what it will look like. Um, but I wanted you guys to kind of get a little bit of a little bit of a taste of, like, the youth staff and the things that they go through and that they've been through. We have such an amazing youth staff. We have 13 adults right now that are on our youth staff that serve every single Wednesday that pour into these students. And so Sierra and I are very blessed and we're very thankful um, for the team that God has provided for us. So um, years and years ago, jumping right in, years and years ago, I went to camp as a leader, and I go to camp every year. I do middle school. I do high school camp, um, but this was many years ago. I went to camp, and I went to camp with this particular student, and these students, when they go, I tell them I love playing basketball, okay? So I, they have, like, staff ball, which means it's just adults, and I go play every single day because I love playing basketball, but I always have students who then because I love playing basketball they want to play against me in basketball okay so this one year that I went I had a particular student who I could tell has never touched a basketball in his life but he so badly wanted to play against me and so um, I remember I remember thinking about it and go and he like Days He was like, we're gonna play basketball, one-on-one, you and me. Like, he was like in my face, he was ready, and I was like, okay. And so, um, so anyway, so I end up, I end up going into this game, and I really just feel like I need to let him win. And it went against every single competitive bone in my body to let him win, but I let him win, and still to this day, I get texts, I get calls, like, he will let me know that he beat me in basketball that one year at camp, however long, I'm not gonna name names, because they might be watching on live stream, alright, alright, his name was Logan Tong, no, I'm just kidding, it was not, it was not my little brother, um, however, Logan, all growing up, he knew how to get me to play basketball with him, see, he would always start out and he would go, he'd go, hey, uh, Hunter, do you want to play basketball? And I'm like, no, not like I would always be busy doing something. And then he would know if he taunted me, if he started going, well, I understand, I wouldn't want to get kicked, my butt kicked by my little brother either. And he'd start doing things like that. And then all of a sudden, I'm putting on my basketball shoes and we're going outside to play, right? So ever since I was little, I've always been a competitive person to the point where I remember growing up, I played t-ball, I played baseball, and I remember this particular year, it was the end of the season, and it was the last game, I don't know if we did like playoffs or championship or anything like that, but it was the end of the season, last game, and I remember we played, I couldn't tell you to this day who won, but I remember as I was packing up my stuff, The coach came, he grabbed all the kids, we gathered together, and they started handing out these little wooden trophies with a number one on them. Okay, some of you might have received these, okay? And I remember sitting there going, oh, man, that really stinks to be the other team. And I remember looking over at the other team, who also was all gathered up, and their coaches were handing them the exact same trophy that we were receiving with a number one on it and I remember being so confused in that moment I remember thinking well I've watched the Super Bowl I don't ever remember both teams celebrating at the end and then handing a trophy to both teams and I remember watching the NBA finals and I remember the next season they do a ring ceremony they hand out rings to the winning team but I never saw them do it to the team who came in second and so as a kid, I already began thinking, well, this isn't fair. I've always been this competitive person. But I, as I got older, I started to understand, oh, that's a participation trophy. So the verse that we're going to talk about tonight is 1 Corinthians Nine and it's verses 24 through t- 27. And if you wanna turn there in your Bible, we'll pretty much be talking about this set of verses for the rest of the evening. But it said, this is Paul talking and he says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize so I run with purpose in every step. I am not shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So I have been praying. I've known about this, that that we were gonna do youth takeover and things like that. I've known for a little over a month. And so... In staff meeting, we do a weekly devotional, and Stacy in Star Valley is now in on our staff meeting, and so she actually had a devotional now a couple weeks ago, and so actually, if I could get that back camera right on me, I need need to let Stacy know something. All right, Stacy, I just want to let you know I am not stealing your devotional. I promise. I am not stealing it. I have had this on my heart for uh, well over a month. So uh, when they when they go live tomorrow, uh, hopefully uh, we're we're all good there. I'll see if I get a text from her. Okay, back to this verse. Paul is telling us that everyone runs in this race, but only one person gets the prize. So, in other words, this race there is no participation trophies. So run to win, Paul says. When I was reading this verse and I, was, and I was breaking it down, I just had this funny thought come to my head. And I began wondering, what if for Christians, what if only one of us could receive God's grace, his love, his mercy. Now that's not what this verse is saying, but I just began to think in my own life, what if that were the case? How much would my life change if I knew only one of us could get to that finish line? How much time would my, how much would I spend my time differently if I knew only one of us could do it? What if Paul is challenging us to run the race like only one of us could win it. Now, I haven't watched a lot of races. I, I love sports, I watch a lot of sports, but I haven't watched a lot of races, but I have gone to races that students have invited me to, whether it's track or cross country or things like that, and I've gone and watched students, and I, as I was writing this message, I began thinking, what if I went to a race that a student invited me to, and as soon as the race began, I watched as people took off sprinting. There were people who were running. There were people who were jogging. But then what if my student that I came to watch began walking? I was, and I was thinking of it, and, and as I got to the end, I went to see them finish, which obviously would have taken way longer than everyone else. But if I got to the end, and all of a sudden they handed the trophy to first place, and they handed that same exact trophy to my student who walked the race. And they turned to me and they said, well, everyone gets a trophy for participating. That would take the joy out of watching the race, but it would also take the joy and the accomplishment of finishing the race. See, Christianity often looks like we're all shooting to win the participation trophy. Paul doesn't tell us to participate in the race. He tells us to run to win. So as Christians, tonight, I want you to think, are you running the race to win? If we're not running, what are we doing? So I'm gonna go over tonight, I'm gonna go over different participants and what they look like in this race. So the first one that I want to go over is sprinters. These are the ones who, as Christians, right? Well, first of all, sprinters, you know what that is. They take off. They are leaps and bounds ahead of everybody. As soon as that race begins, they are out of here. As Christians, sprinters, I watch this with students. Students will dedicate their life to Christ. And then they want to be plugged into every single thing that we have at the church. They will want to be there on Wednesdays. They'll want to be there on Saturdays, on Sundays. They will want to serve. They will want to serve on Thursdays. They will show up for Bible study on Tuesdays. They take off. They want to be plugged into every single thing that we have. But that only lasts so long. See, the problem with sprinting is that they take off going way too fast, too soon. And I watch as those same students who were so on fire and so excited all of a sudden become burnt out. And then not only are they burnt out, but then they feel like they need a break from church in general. See, we need to be plugged into church, but if we overextend, we often get burnt out and we walk away. As a youth pastor, one of the hardest things for me to teach this next generation is the importance of peace and quiet time. See, this generation is the AirPod generation. This generation is the social media generation. This generation is the streaming generation. This generation watches movies all day long. They can put an AirPod in and listen to music and never once have to pause it during their day. See, they are, I literally have students who will show up here on a Wednesday at four o'clock if they get out of school at 3.30, and they will ask me if I've watched the new Star Wars show, which is two hours long. And I will go, no, I've been working. Did you not go to school today? And they go, no, I went to school, but the show is really awesome. You have to watch it. Like, they literally can do these things all throughout their day. And until recently, I really struggled with it, too. I was somebody who would go, I love podcasts, so I don't listen to music, but I I listen to podcasts, and I would listen to podcasts all day long. I would go from work to driving home to doing chores when I get home to whatever. I always had an AirPod in, and I was always listening to something. So I understand them. I'm very guilty. But it wasn't until these last few years that I really understood the importance of peace and quiet. Rest is so important, and I and I and I put in here, I'm not when I when I'm talking about rest, I think we often associate things like TV or sleep or music or whatever as rest. But when I'm talking about rest, it should be that quiet time that you can actually sit there and think about things, but also that then the Lord can speak to you on things. I'm a firm believer that we struggle to hear God because we always have something else playing in the background. The next participant I wanna go over is the walker. The walker lacks motivation. They're often distracted by the things around them and they're okay stopping and they are perfectly fine not winning the race. In church, walkers are those who don't share their faith with the world. See, this is the hardest one for me because how can I live a saved life and not share it with those who are lost? Walkers make excuses as to why they shouldn't share their, face for their faith, and they even tend to not look like Christians when we get outside of the four walls. So tonight, I want you to think, are you personally excited to share about what Jesus has done for you? See, I played that testimony of Janie, and she was excited to be able to share her testimony because it's not about what she's been through, but it's about where she is now, The church has gotten comfortable walking instead of running. The next participant is joggers. Unlike the sprinter, the jogger is much more collected and focused. The jogger isn't looking to get ahead, but to stay consistent. Unlike the walker, the jogger does not lack motivation. The jogger wants to be noticed by others the jogger wants to look like they're doing what God has called them to without putting in maximum effort. So maybe God has called you to start a ministry and maybe you really love the idea, but you really don't wanna give up your Saturdays. Or maybe God has called you in this season to be extra generous and you look and you go, well, I'm already tithing 10%, and Christmas is right around the corner. I can't be extra generous this season. See, joggers keep pace. They keep consistent, but it doesn't cost them anything. They're at church most weekends. They're tithing. They are mostly involved, but they can't take that extra step to be all in on what God has for them. Our final participant is the runner. This is what Paul is talking about. Paul says to run to win the race. See, the difference between a sprinter and a runner is stamina. The difference between a jogger and a runner is intensity. Betterhealth.gov says the difference between running and jogging is intensity. Running is faster and demands more effort. The difference between a walker and a runner is motivation. We are called to be runners. In order to run a race, it requires us to be intentional and I was thinking, if, if I were going to run a race, what are the things that I would need in order to run a race, right? And so I started listing things down and number one, training. Probably shouldn't show up the day of the race having no training whatsoever. But the second thing is, you're going to need to probably be dieting or eating healthy somewhat, right? You probably shouldn't eat a bunch of pasta and then go try to run, right? That's not going to work out very well. You're going to need to stay hydrated. That's a big one. But then the last thing that I was thinking about is we need accountability and support, right? Those people often have somebody who is constantly checking in with them. Or they have those family members who they know are going to be at the finish line the day of the race cheering them on. So just like if we were to run a race, we have to have those essentials. As Christians, we have essentials for our race. So how do we train? The first thing I have is self-discipline. Angie actually wrote an awesome devotional, so Angie, I'm not stealing your devotional either, I swear. Um, But go and check it out because it's really good. But when I was thinking about this idea of discipline, I I began to think of all these athletes in my head, and I really believe the difference between an athlete and the top athlete is their self-discipline. Michael Jordan was said to have spent six to eight hours in the gym six days a week Shooting about 500 shots a day. For those who don't know, he won six NBA uh, yeah. titles. He was he was a de- he was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Brady, who is still playing. I don't want to talk about him either, but we're gonna. All right, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, but during the regular NFL season, I looked up his whole routine. It is insane to me. It's too much. But he wakes up at 6 a.m., has to drink 20 ounces of water. Then he has a pre-workout. Then he has two hours of workout. Then he has a post-workout. Then he studies film for two hours. Then he goes to his actual practice with the team. Then he has a workout after that. Then a post like his, It's It's too much. It's too much, but he has self-discipline. Right? He's still playing, he's 45, he's won seven Super Bowls. We all dislike it, but here we are, all right? Last one, Michael Phelps. He would train 365 days out of the year, every day. Six hours every single day. Bonus, he had a 10,000 calorie a day diet. So if you're interested in getting to eat 10,000 calories a day, All it takes is training, six hours a day, so you're in. But he ended up winning 28 medals, 23 of which were gold. See, these athletes were disciplined. They wanted to win their race. So how is it as Christians that we can have self-discipline? As I began to think about this, I thought about if you were to have a bad day, at work, like it's just one of those days, we all have them, and you were to go home, is the first thing you reach for the remote or is the first thing you reach for your Bible? See, you're also gonna have tons of opportunity to go hunting or to go have family over or to go camping or to do whatever on the weekend. Do you choose to miss church or do you choose to come to church? I said earlier that we have to be intentional in order to run this race, but we have to be intentional and have self-discipline, and there's a difference. Intentionality is putting something on the calendar, while self-discipline is making sure you show up to your appointment. Intentionality is buying the gym membership. Self-discipline means actually going to the gym that we pay for. Intentionality is buying the Bible. Self-discipline is sitting down and studying it. So what are the areas that we need to have self-discipline in? We need to have self-discipline in prayer and worship outside of here. Prayer and worship should not only take place here in your life. In order to run this race, it should be every day at your home, at your work, in your car. The next thing is, what are we consuming? I just said, you can't eat a bunch of pasta and go run a race. You can, but it ain't gonna work out well. What are we consuming? Some of you, it's Chick-fil-A, and I'm very jealous. But (laughs) let me tell you, let me tell you, if you waited in that line and you managed to get Chick-fil-A in under an hour, you have the Lord's blessing. You have his favor. That's the only explanation because that line is crazy. I'm not going there. But are we consuming junk food? Are we consuming the things that are quick satisfaction? Satisfaction. Satisfaction. There we go. Quick. Thank you. That's why you sit in the front. Are we are we consuming things that are just quick satisf? Oh my gosh! I'm gonna satisfaction. All right. You got. You guys know what I'm saying. I love getting fast food, but it's never nourishing. It's never good for me. It's just fast and easy. Are we reading our Bible or are we studying our Bible? I put studying the word down and I was very intentional about putting study instead of reading. I've been sharing this in youth group because this is something that's personally helped me. But in youth group, I told them that over this last year, I've changed the way that I study my Bible. See, it used to be that I would read my Bible, and, you know, that was great, but my issue was that I constantly lost focus. The words would float off the page. I'd be thinking about what I'm going to eat for dinner, or I'd be thinking about things that are going on later in the week, and I wouldn't actually be getting what I needed out of my reading. So I told them that I actually have eight different highlighters, and every one of those every one of those colors is a different thing for me. So like one is wisdom, one is faith, one, it's just like that. So that way when I read, I'm actually thinking about what does this verse mean? What is it that the Lord is speaking to me? What is it that I am getting out of this reading time? And for the record, I'm colorblind. So if I can do it, you for sure can do it. The next one goes with what we're consuming and that's hydration. Along with what you have to be careful of consuming, you also have to be hydrated. You never wanna deprive your body of food and water, so why would we deprive our souls? Jesus says in John 4, 13 through 14, he says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. The living water, Jesus Christ, and the written word, satisfy the hunger and thirst of our souls. The next one is accountability. Who is it in your life that checks in with you? Who is it that you feel comfortable being vulnerable with? Because as Christians, we all have to have somebody. It can't just be we come to church, but we don't talk to anybody. We have to have accountability as Christians. We have to have somebody who comes alongside of us in our time of need. The last one is church. Church is essential for Christians. We need to be here to be encouraged, but also to encourage others. Pastor Jason's really been hitting on not missing church the last couple weeks, and I've been going through old sermons of my grandpa's, and he, this was back in 2004, he was literally giving a challenge to the church to not miss church for hunting season. And I literally, I, I heard that whole, I'm not somebody who hunts, so it didn't affect me that way, but I was thinking about how much more excuses we have 18 years later than they did then One of the biggest excuses is, well, I'll watch on live stream. For the record, I put a lot of work, Seth puts a lot of work into the live stream. It's, if you cannot make it, that's what it's there for. Not as, well, I'll just stay home. No, 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 we've created it for Star Valley, for Malawi, for these places who this is their home church. If this is your home church, you should be here with us. It's important. So going back to our verse, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise I fear that after preaching to others, I myself, will be disqualified. I run with purpose in every step. This is our intentions. Discipline my body like an athlete. This is church accountability, studying the Bible. Training it to do what it should. Our prayer, our worship, our self-discipline. Then at the end, Paul is saying that if he doesn't do this, he fears he will be disqualified from the race. I, when I was writing this message, I had this image come to my head. And it was at the end of this race, and I'm, I see the finish line, and I'm running. And as I cross it, I feel all of this peace and relief, and accomplishment. I accomplished the race. And I turn around to greet others as they are coming across the finish line. And as I turn around, there is no one crossing. When Paul is talking about losing the prize, he's not talking about his salvation. He's talking about his privilege of telling others about Christ. If we run this race without sharing our faith, we are running this race wrong. We lose if no one is running with us. It is a privilege to share our faith. How many Christians today actually believe that it is a privilege to share our faith? The other week, Um, Tiana, who is on our staff, um, she came in and it was, I think it was a Thursday, it was before baptism weekend, but she came in and she began to share this story of Huck, which is her eight-year-old son. And as she began telling me this story, she said that she went to get coffee, Huck was in the back seat, they always go to the same place to get coffee, so he knows the barista by name, all of this stuff. But he began explaining, or she began explaining how he got so excited that morning to tell his barista about Jesus. So what he did is he literally goes to, they, they go there, and then the window comes down, and he goes, Hey, I don't know her, what her name, Rachel, what, what are you doing this weekend? And she begins sharing that she's got to clean some stuff. She's going to relax. It's her weekend off. And he says, well, you should come to church and get baptized this weekend. <laughs> and then he begins to ask her, do you know what baptism is? And she goes, I do. And he, he decides he's going to explain it to her anyway. So he begins explaining baptism to his barista. He was just so... Excited to tell her about Jesus. In Matthew 18, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. When I heard this story from Tyana talking about Huck and how he was not afraid to invite someone to church, but he was just so excited. See, he had the faith that God would do something for her and that she would learn to love Jesus just like he had learned. I think sometimes as adults, we overcomplicate it. I was trying to think if if any of us were to go and try to share our faith with, with this same barista, we might do this thing where we're like, Well, if you're not busy, it's no pressure, and if if you're by chance available, then we would love it if you'd come. Oh, actually, it's baptism, so that might be a weird week for you to come. Maybe the week, oh, there's a guest speaker, so maybe in two weeks from now, if you're available, it's no pressure at all, not a big deal, but if you could come. But see, Huck, he goes, what are you doing this weekend? As this this eight-year-old, he knew how to share his faith. See, I truly believe that Huck one day wanted to watch his barista cross that finish line. It's a privilege to tell others about Christ. Oftentimes we are more worried about them being offended than their eternity. If Huck at eight years old can do it, we should be able to do it so much better. So at the beginning of this, I had Janie's testimony video play. I explained that we're gonna be doing this in youth group, but as I was writing this message, I really began thinking how important it is for these students and leaders to practice writing out their testimony. As Christians, we should be ready at any moment to share our faith, our testimony with anyone. But the other part of that is as Christians, we need to be hearing the testimonies of each other. We need to be knowing what what others went through and where they are now. Because I don't know about you, but I watch a video like that and it inspires me and it reminds me of how much God is doing. We need to share our faith There's no participation trophy in this race. So let's not just participate in salvation, but let's run this race to win the lost for Jesus. We need to be intentional. We need to be in training outside of these four walls. This race is not easy. You're going to have times where you trip up, where you fall down. But my prayer for you today, my encouragement for you today is that when you fall down, I pray that you will get back up, but you won't start walking. You won't start jogging, but that you will run. You will run this race. So I'm going to read this verse this verse in Hebrews, and then I'm gonna have the youth worship team take over. But this morning, I or this morning, tonight, I just want you during this time of worship, are you running the race? Did you sprint and burn out? Are you jogging it or are you walking it? If the answer is you're not running it, spend this time in worship and ask God, how can I run this race better? because he will answer you. He has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. He doesn't want you walking either. In Hebrews 12, one through four, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not given your lives in your struggle against sin. Let's worship together. Hey, thanks for listening.